Welcome to the At TSN Hockey Every Other Friday Bobcast, featuring the original hockey insider, Bob McKenzie. Hey, that's me, answering your questions on hockey or just about anything else, within reason, of course. If you have a question you would like answered, email me at bobcast at bellmedia.ca. That's B-O-B-C-A-S-T at bellmedia.ca. And we'll try to get it on the Bobcast. We were a blowout of wicked proportions. An accidental company. Hey, everyone. Welcome back for year two of the At TSN Hockey Bobcast. I can't wait to get started. Although, technically, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Wait a little bit. I do plan on doing one preseason episode of the Bobcast later this month, probably on Friday, September 22nd. But we'll start things up for real on Friday, October 6th, the first Friday of the new National Hockey League regular season. And like last year, we plan on going every other Friday with the Bobcast. As always, if you have a question for the Bobcast, be sure to email it to bobcast at bellmedia.ca. That's B-O-B. C-A-S-T at bellmedia.ca. In the meantime, I'm hoping you might perhaps enjoy this preseason interview I did with Toronto Maple Leaf General Manager Lou Lamorello. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did conducting it. Thanks for listening to the Bobcast. And if you're not already subscribing to the Bobcast, be sure to do so on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, tsn.ca, or wherever you get your podcast. So look forward to another season of the Bobcast. Come back at you on Friday, September 22nd. And uh, here's that interview I promised you. Well, Lou, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs were so bad for so long. And then last year, they had a, a terrific season. And it was on the back of a, a first-year rookie who looks like a potential franchise number one center in Austin Matthews. A bunch of kids like Neil Lander and Marner who got the, the fan base so absolutely energized um, which makes it even all the more exciting for the future. I, I've lived in this city my whole life. I sense that optimism amongst the fan base is, it a, is it, it's like a runaway train of optimism. I have a funny feeling that I just met the brakeman for that train today. I don't know what you mean about that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bob, but uh, it's understandable uh, that there is such an optimism. I think uh, for the reasons you said that uh, Maybe there's been a couple of years that things haven't gone as well. And then we went through something a couple of years ago, some 47, 50 players, uh, and the veterans who came out of that uh, have just been fantastic. Uh, and the job they did last year, and then the infusion of some young players that you mentioned uh, uh, collectively just did an outstanding job. Uh, but that's only a stepping stone. I mean, you know, nothing really have we done other than at this point create excitement. Uh, we haven't won a round in the playoffs yet. So, you know, we're still in that process. Uh, did that process get, uh, you know, sped up a little? Absolutely, because of the, uh, the way the older players improved and the way the younger players came a little more quickly. Uh, but, you know, we're in the season right now. How long have we known each other? We were talking about that when we came in. Uh, we Long go time. back to oh, we go back to the early sixties. <laughs> no, not that far, but 30, 30 plus years. And I, I, I got a story I, I think might be a little bit illustrative. I was editor in chief of the Hockey News. You were the, at this point, you were the general manager of the New Jersey Devils, although we knew each other even before you got to the National Hockey League. 
I called up the New Jersey Devils and said, I want to put that hot, flashy, young defenseman, Scott Niedermeyer, on the cover. We don't want to use an action shot. We want to get a studio shot. So we want to set up a shot with Niedermeyer in studio. And the answer came back from the New Jersey Devils. Scott is not available by himself. That if you're interested in putting Scott, as well as several other players from the New Jersey Devils in the shot, then you could do that. Or if you want to just run your action shot, run it. Obviously, you've got values, you've got principles, you've got an idea of, of how you think a team needs to be built, a team needs to be protected. And with a young player coming along like Niedermeyer in that case, or in this case, Austin Matthews, how directly involved do you get to ensure that, that those players are going to get the kind of protection from the pressures that are come along with what Austin Matthews did last year? Well, uh, I don't think it's any different uh, than, you know, it's an interesting parallel that you remember that far back. Uh, uh, but, you know, you just have to treat them with the respect uh, uh, that they deserve as far as what they're accomplishing, uh, but al also do the best you can to take as many distractions away that get in the way of success. Um, but uh, both individuals, whether you talk about Austin or talk about Sc Scott Niedemar at that time, uh, they're very mature. Uh, they, and fortunately for us, uh, you know, our other young players uh, that we've had here uh, last year, the job that they did uh, with reference how they handled the media, how they handled the, the pressure. So, and uh, we have an outstanding public relations staff run by uh, Steve Keogh, who, who knows how to give to the media, especially the Toronto media, what they need to get. Uh, on the other hand, uh, they still have to be players. Uh, they still have to grow as individuals. And, uh, you know, people might not always get what they feel they should, but we have to do what's right for the success of the team. How much time and effort do, between yourself and head coach Mike Babcock, team-wide, to, to make sure that the players have their feet firmly planted on the ground and not like the fans with, you know, who might have their head in the clouds dreaming of Stanley Cups when, as you say, they want a playoff round? Well, first of all, I, I think that uh, that's probably our greatest asset, uh, our coaching staff, uh, with Mike uh, and the people that we have here with him, uh, and also Brendan, uh, the experience that we have in, in the front office um, and in the coaching staff, and treating everybody exactly the same, and having the type of players that we've all had uh, over the years. Uh, you know, the elite players uh, that have had success and were humble in the process of having success. And I think it's just an example you can give them. You can only educate them, uh, but they have to be receptive in that. And I think that's where we're most fortunate. Uh, these are quality individuals uh, who want to be good, want to be the best they can, um, and they're receptive to whatever guidance you can give them. Is it harder to, to do that in, in, a, in a place like Toronto than it was, say, New Jersey, or that much harder to do it in 2017-18 than it was when we were working back together in the, the 1990s? Honestly, I don't think it's any hotter. I think all you have to do is uh, try and set what the parameters are, uh, but look at both sides of it. Don't just look at through your eyes, look at the other set of eyes. Uh, also what's necessary, uh, when I say necessary, because uh, the fans still want to, you know, see and hear uh, about the players. Uh, but it has to be in a controlled atmosphere uh, where it doesn't get in the way of success. And, 
you've heard my expression for a number of years that you know you have to give up your identity uh, if you want to have success and you can't mix up that name in the back of the shirt with the logo and you know there's a fine line without question but uh, uh, you have to get everybody to you know appreciate that and I think our fans have uh, and and I think our media and the job that as I mentioned earlier that Steve has done with his group uh, have given them and you could be the best judge of that what's necessary. Uh, let's talk about Austin Matthews for a moment. I, I mean, Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby are perceived to be the, the face of the game now. But in many ways, Austin Matthews, uh, as big as he is for the Toronto Maple Leafs, he's also big for, for hockey in the United States. It's an amazing story. You know, mother from Mexico, father from California, um, who grows up in, in, in Arizona, Phoenix Coyote season ticket holder. Um, so, in many ways, he's become the face of, of U.S. hockey, and there'll come a whole set of responsibilities with that. I mean, at the recent NHL Media Day, um, where all the, the best players in the game were invited, and Austin was invited, and he had the flu, he couldn't go. And I don't doubt for a minute that he had the flu, but there were a lot of people who looked at it and said, maybe he had the Lou flu. Maybe Lou was saying, Let, let's try and keep him, shield him from the spotlight. Um, you know. How hard is it going to be to balance those two things for him on the ice and off the ice? Well, first of all, he did have the flu. Oh, sure he did. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the best part about Austin Matthews is, is his maturity uh, at the age he's at. And, you know, he's used to what uh, he's going through right now. Certainly uh, the magnitude, you know, moves along at a higher level, uh, um, but he's a mere mature individual. I think we saw that, uh, you know, the first game he played, uh, where he had the success he had, and when he was asked about his success, the first thing he said uh, was, "I let my man go in, in overtime." I think that says it all about about Austin. Uh, so, you know, he wants to be a player. He wants to be the best he can be. He has tremendous respect for his teammates, um, and. He gets along, and it's it's just great seeing the interaction with some of these players behind the scenes. So uh, I feel very comfortable that uh, he can handle whatever uh, is is given to him. You grew up in a college hockey environment at Providence College. Is the sophomore jinx a real thing, or is that something that you can have control over, and it's just a figment of people's imagination? I've never believed in it, um, and I've never believed it in pro sports, nor did I believe it in in, in college. I think. Uh, it has a lot to do with how the preparation of the individual or individuals um, handle between the first season and the second season, especially if they've had some success. Uh, have they taken it a little lighter? Do they think they've already made it? Uh, where they worked out six or seven days during the week and the previous summer to get ready, did they now go to four because now they have some social events that they didn't have before, uh, whether it be an outing? So all of those decisions that they make between that first and second year have a bearing on what success they've had and that's where I do have confidence in this group that we have uh, and also the job that our sports medicine staff has done during the summer along with Mike uh, keeping in touch with the players and communicating you know doing the things that have to be done not ever worrying about a sophomore junk just concentrating on the necessities to have success. Did the performance of last year's team surprise you even just a little bit? Oh, I think so. I, I, I think that the, uh, the growth uh, in the way the players adapted uh, within the framework of, of the system. I, I think the previous year 
what we went through was the mic bringing in a, a, a system, uh, up-tempo system, and we had to really educate the uh, veterans who were here before to play that and find out how many could, and the teaching was really into the veterans. Uh, the people who really survived that, uh, you know, were perfect at it, so Mike could concentrate on the younger players last year, and the, the veterans really helped the younger players by doing it right all the time, and also the receptiveness of, of the young players, but we didn't know how quickly they would come. We didn't know, you know, that they, you know, would adjust that quickly, and have the success they had, so yes, I would have to say so. We weren't any different than anyone else, uh, uh, that we were a little ahead of ourselves. Brennan Shanahan has had this plan, and <clears throat> we jokingly refer to it as the Shanna plan. Does the performance, the accelerated performance of the kids last year and the overall team, does that accelerate the Shanna plan in any way? Well, first of all, uh, I think that no matter what you do, you have a plan, and uh, Brendan came in with a vision. Um, and it basically you approach it I have always anyway as a five-year plan plan that changes every day and what allows that to change is whether it be the success you've had whether it be acquisitions you're able to get uh, you know injuries and we were very fortunate last year that the progress of the players was on a consistent basis uh, uh, we saw at a certain point where you know, they deserved a little help. They deserved some veterans at a trade deadline uh, to help them along, get it through. And, you know, we acquired a player or two that really helped us. Um, and we saw what, you know, transpired going into the playoffs, uh, not knowing what to expect in the, in the first playoff. And so we've made some decisions over the summer collectively to bring in some veteran players that could help that along. Uh, whether it speeds up the process, if not in the plan, you know, only time will tell. Uh, but during this period of time, during this growth, and we still are in that growing stage, we're still in that process, uh, whatever support we can give the group that really hasn't experienced, um, you know, anything other than a game at a time, uh, you know, that's what we're trying to do. The obvious goal for any team in the National Hockey League, no matter whether you're defending cup champion or the last place team, you just want to make the playoffs. That's what everybody, because once you're in the playoffs, you, you have a chance. Um, beyond that obvious goal of just trying to get back where you were last year in the playoffs, what should the expectation be for this team, or what's the goal for this team? Is, is this a team that could contend for the Cup? Well, I, I think that's an unknown uh, question. I think that every team starting the season... You've got the answers, come on. Every team, <laughs> you know, as you said, coming in wants to make the playoffs. Yeah. As far as thinking beyond that, you know, I'll leave that for the fantasy people and, and for the reporters. So, That's me. You know, <laughs> and uh, all, all you have to do is go back to all the predictions uh, going into last season, and that's what you do. Uh, you just sit back and you, you, you listen. Uh, but the most important thing for us, Bob, is to just concentrate on what we have control of each and every day, do it right, uh, and let the end result take care of itself. Well, Once you get ahead of yourself, uh, uh, you run into yourself. And, and you're absolutely right. And one of those things that you have no control over is injuries, obviously. And the Toronto Maple Leafs were obviously one of the healthiest teams in, in the National Hockey League this year. I wouldn't suggest for a moment that the Buffalo Sabres are as far along in their evolution as the Toronto Maple Leafs. But, I mean, Jack Eichel, when you lose a player of that magnitude for 20-plus games to start the season, if the Leafs had been in a similar situation and lost Austin Matthews for a quarter of the season, I dare say maybe 
your leaf season would have been a lot different. That said, going up and down your roster, um, there's a there's a lot of NHL talent there. There's a lot of competition for jobs, and, and you made it even more so going out in the off season and getting the free agent Patrick Marlowe, 37 years old, three year contract for 6.25 million per year. Why Patty Marlowe and why now? Well, as we mentioned in in our previous uh, questions earlier, uh, that you know at this time where our team is. Uh, a player like uh, Patty Marlowe, uh, with the experience he's had, uh, with the disposition he has as uh, as a human being, uh, and the reputation he's had throughout his career, he he could only help uh, you know bring along a lot of our younger players when things are not going right. And you know we can uh, from management or coaching staff go so far, but that locker room is so important to have. Uh, veterans uh, who can help people along who haven't been through the experiences uh, of when things don't go as well as you'd like to see them go. And that will happen during the year. But not only that, he can play. He, uh, you know, put aside uh, the, the number of, uh, when you say age, uh, you know, the skating ability he has and the hockey sense he has. And, and to me, even more important is the experiences he's had playing for Mike Babcock. Um, he's not coming in here not knowing what to expect and making the decision to come uh, and also looks at our roster and feels as though they, you know, there might be something nice here. All those attributes that you listed, is that why you'd be prepared to give a guy 37 years old a three-year contract when you know, the over 35 clause in the CBA, a lot of teams shy away from those really long-term deals for guys over 35, but in this particular instance you think he's the perfect fit? In my opinion, uh, this is an exception. Uh, you know that cannot and should not be a norm. Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know most contracts today are too long and too much money. I, you know <laughs> it, it is what it is. Uh, but these decisions you have to make, um, and they're, they're made collectively. This is not something that you just uh, throw a, a dot against the wall and hope it works. It's done with a lot of thought. Uh, you have to keep so many different things in mind, but uh, extremely comfortable and delighted to have uh, uh, Patrick here. When you signed Patrick Marlowe to that contract, my first reaction was, there goes James Van Riemsdyk's money, because James Van Riemsdyk obviously is in the final year of his contract. He's an unrestricted free agent. He's going to be looking for a multi-year contract at numbers that are probably up around what Patty, Patty Marlowe got, and I started thinking with guys coming out of entry level in the future, it's going to be very difficult for the, the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's going to lead to a lot of trade speculation that may or may not be true. Um, uh, is there any way to shelter the team from that? Or uh, I, I know you anticipate that James Van Riemsdyk is going to be in your lineup. He's going to start the season and is a big part of that. Um, but do you talk to a player or anything along those lines where you know that there's probably going to be a lot of speculation about that? Well, first of all, communication is the most important thing with your players, and uh, and honesty uh, is is the most important thing. Uh, likewise, uh, uh, and I, I don't worry about that. Uh, you know, the media is going to make out anything and everything that they feel and they should. Uh, but the most important thing is the uh, player knowing and and the team knowing exactly what the thought process is, and that's all that's important. 
Um, with the addition of Marlowe, other than Marlowe, it's, it's, I think the, the core of your lineup up front it, it looks very much status quo to what we saw last year. And, you know, why break up a, a lineup that was really good? But knowing Mike Babcock as I do, I don't, I don't think he'll be surprised if we see um, Hyman back on a line with, with Matthews and Nylander, that we could see James Van Riemsdyk back with Bozak and, and, and Mitch Marner and potentially Patrick Marlowe playing with Kadri and either Leo Komarov or Connor Brown. When I started looking at that, I realized that your top nine forwards, one of Connor Brown or Leo Komarov could fall out of that top nine. It gives you some idea, the caliber of those players potentially on any given game, absent of injuries anyways, maybe having to drop down and be quote-unquote fourth-line guys. Well, it's a great problem to have, and it's... Uh I'd rather have uh, that problem, and uh, certainly we'll put that uh, in yeah, Mike's, Mike's hands and uh, in the uh, coaches to make those decisions at the appropriate time. But uh, uh, I don't think anybody's worrying about uh, who's playing where and where they're going to play. Uh, the most important thing is going to be uh, what's the best team on the ice. I think there's going to be some incredible competition on the depth positions on on the fourth line for the Toronto Maple Leafs because, as I mentioned, if you, if you do do the math one of Komarov or Brown dropping down there and you've already got Matt Martin who's been a fixture on that line. Um, you've got veteran centers, guys like Dominic Moore and Ben Smith who are possibilities to play center there. But you brought in a kid, a 24-year-old Finn by the name of Mary Walton that maybe a lot of Leaf fans aren't familiar with. Can you give us a scouting report on him and where you think he might fit in and is, is he maybe NHL ready? Well, certainly he's uh, center iceman uh, and uh, there's no question last year, uh, you know, we felt that was an area that uh, maybe we had to add to depth. Uh, he had an outstanding year in Europe. Um, you know, he's a very uh, skillful, uh, skillful individual, uh, knows the game, uh, and we'll have to see in training camp how quickly he adapts. Uh, uh, but he is someone, you know, who adds to that center ice depth area that uh, we felt we needed to do. There had been talk that maybe Freddie Gauthier, his time would be now. Unfortunately, he suffered a leg injury in the, in, in the spring that required surgery. Can you give us an update on where he's at medically and when he might be healthy enough to come back and at least start playing for the Marlies again? Well, he's skating right now, which is the most important thing, and it's going to take a while for him to get back. Uh, I wouldn't want to put a date on it because uh, we have not been given a date uh, from our, uh, our medical staff. So, you know, when he's ready... Um, you know, he'll be ready, uh, but you're absolutely right. Uh, he looked very close to being ready to play. He did a great job when he came up, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, a great, uh, it's a great problem to have. Again, this is a nice problem to have, but um, we've talked 12, 13 forwards deep up front in the Toronto Maple Leafs, and we haven't mentioned Josh Lebo, who, for me, has demonstrated that he, he looks like he's an NHL player, requires waivers if he's going to be sent down. And then you've got uh, Kasperi Kapanen, who looks like he's NHL ready. You've got Nikita Soshnikov, who, absent of injuries, proved that he was an NHL forward. Um, the depth and the level of competition is really incredible. But in Kapanen and Soshnikov, you've got guys who don't require waivers to go to the minors. Is, is this a situation where sometimes guys might be ready to play in the National Hockey League, but they're just going to have to over-ripen in the, in the, I know in, in New Jersey, you used to call it Lou Yu and Albany and, and Mike Babcock and Brennan Shanahan come from the Detroit model where guys 
would spend a lot of time back in the old days in Adirondack and now in Grand Rapids. Is over-ripening something that might happen for some of these kids? Well, first of all, the players are going to determine who plays. Uh, and the coaches will make decisions where they play. Uh, and we're going to, without question, put the best possible team we can. Um, but I've always believed, and, and as you said, we've had many conversations over the years, that it's better to bring a player up too late than too soon. Uh, and sometimes there are unique situations. But right now, uh, uh, the competition uh, will decide who plays. A lot of Leaf fans at the end of last season, they thought the most glaring need, if you were going to add something, was, you know, and, and again, it's the, the, in a vacuum, the, you need a stud defenseman, a top-pairing guy, you need a Drew Doughty type or an Eric Carlson, which, of course, is easier said than done. They, they don't grow on, on trees. You guys went out in free agency and, and signed another veteran guy, 36-year-old uh, Ron Hainsey, to a two-year contract. What was the rationale for deciding that Hainsey was a good guy to come in and potentially play? on a top pair with Morgan Riley? Well, first of all, uh, his signing is uh, very similar, uh, just in a different position area to the Patrick Marlowe signing, uh, where he brings uh, tremendous experience coming off the of Stanley Cup, uh, knows how to play the game. Uh, the system that he really uh, played uh, for a couple of years was Mike's system uh, in, in Carolina. Uh, so the adjustment process for him is going to be uh, very short term, uh, and what he can bring uh, with the way he plays, with the type of defenseman that we have here, yeah, he's certainly going to be a support mechanism to them, uh, where we have some outstanding skaters back there, and, um, and he's a penalty, he can kill penalties, uh, stay-at-home defenseman, has a great stick, and um, you know, there's no question he's an asset to, uh, you know, and he's going to be uh, just great for our defense. It seems like Mike also wants to let Morgan Riley try to flourish on his correct side. Mike's a big left-right guy, and and Morgan a lot of the time has had to play on on the offside. So probably another added benefit that Hainsey can play on the right. Uh, he can play. Ron can play on either side, and uh, once again, those are decisions that uh, Michael and his staff will make in training camp. That would leave Gardner and Zaitsev to potentially come back as a second pair. I think a lot of people think Connor Carrick is a is a potential fixture in, in, in the top six. You went out in the spring and you, you got two Swedish players in their 20s, uh, Callie Rosen and Andreas Borgman. Can, can you give Leaf fans a scouting report on, on each guy and handicap their chances of being on this team? Well, they, they have as good a chance as anyone. Um, you know, the, uh, we have two young defensemen coming uh, uh, out of the Mollies too that will be we'll uh, talk about uh, them in a minute. challenging. <laughs> so I, I look at all of them yeah. in a similar, uh, because of the age factor, uh, you know, uh, Rosen is certainly an exceptional skater uh, who had playoff experience last year, played in the Elite League, and uh, Borgman was rookie of the year in, in the league he was at, uh, brings a little different dimension, size and strength. Uh, so, you know, we'll just have to wait and see how they all adjust, uh, but we're pretty confident that, uh, you know, we'll come out once again with the best six. Those defensemen you talked about in the Marlies, I'm assuming one of them is Travis Dermott. He had a real good year, and there are a lot of people who believe that he could very well be NHL ready. But again, he's in that situation where if it's a close call, he can be sent to the minors, other guys can't. So. Well, all, you know, all of the, the two players that uh, we signed from Europe are in their entry-level contracts. Right. So, 
but uh, once again, uh, training camp will determine it, uh, and I'll leave it up to the, the Bob McKenzie's <laughs> of the world to uh, <laughs> decide what our lineup is right now, and uh, and and the coaches will decide once training camp comes. That's Who's the second one you were talking about? Andrew Nielsen. Uh, yeah. yeah. Give us a, an update on him. He's a big guy. He's probably got a little more offensive element to his game, doesn't he? Right. And a tremendous improvement. Uh, uh, seeing him, you know, in the brief stint here with the rookies, he's he's grown, he's he's matured, uh, and and really for, for a young player had an outstanding uh, year year last year with the Marlies, coming right out of junior. It's a salary cap world. We know that you can't get away from it, and contracts uh, they they come and, and they go. New, um, William Nylander's in the last year of his entry level deal. He's therefore eligible right now. For an extension, anything you probably want to break some news now and tell us that you've done the extension and give us the AAV and everything. Uh, do you want to answer that question for me? For years you have. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying. <laughs> Try to break some news here. Let's. But uh, is that something that could happen in season, or would that be best left to once the season's over? Yeah, I don't even think that's that's a discussion. Uh, we're not with you. We're with me. <laughs> but a discussion with him. I, I don't. Think that's a discussion. Okay, well, I got to ask. Um, some people would suggest that we talk about windows opening and closing, and and the reality of the salary cap, and and the fact that you know Nylander's going to want to get paid. He's a good player, and he's, he's going to get paid um, next summer. The conversation is going to switch to Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and um, I'm not saying that they're, they're comparables, but. We kind of saw the salary structure for elite players in the National Hockey League maybe got a little re redefined over the course of this summer when Connor McDavid got $12.5 million AAV and Leon Dreisaitl got an $8.5 million AAV. There's a theory out there that while the Leafs are probably on paper going to reach their zenith in three or four or five years when these guys fully mature, but that salary cap-wise, Maybe the next year or two or three before their big deals kick in, give your team the best chance to surround them with the best talent to, to contend and, and win a cup. What would you say to that? I, I'd say it's rhetoric. Uh, I think that's just people, you know, looking into different things and trying to come out whatever conclusion they can come out. Uh, all we're focused on is uh, the players we have at hand right now and making this be the best possible team we can and doing all the uh, necessary things to allow the end result to take care of itself. Uh, but as far as all of that tomorrow, I mean, uh, that, that's all part of uh, what our responsibilities are. Cool attending status quo, um, but there's some that think that maybe it'll be even better this year because uh, Freddie Anderson won't have as much of an adjustment period as he did at the beginning of last season when things were a little up and down and he, he leveled his play out. It was a tough season for Freddie at the beginning of last year because he got injured, uh, you know, during the World Cup uh, exhibition games, and then came in and maybe we we put him in a little too soon, um, you know, because of the training camp was so short for him. Um, but uh, you know, we're very comfortable certainly with Freddie. Uh, you know, in my opinion, he's he's certainly one of the better goaltenders in the National Hockey League. For, and, and you've got McElhaney coming back and back him up. You were obviously satisfied with what you saw down the stretch from him that you wanted to bring him back. Yes, he, he did an outstanding job for us. For the longest time, Lou, you were almost the face and, and the identity of the, the New Jersey Devil franchise. You moved north 
you, you spend all your time in Toronto. It, it strikes me that you look like you're having a lot of fun at it too, though. Well, I, I think when you work with the type of people that you know, I've had the good fortune to work with uh, you know, Brendan, Mike, uh, uh, Steve and his group, the office staff, the Pritams, the Kyle Dewis, the Mark Hunters, you know, who all have a common a common goal, and, and that's winning, and are willing to give up whatever their own you know successes have been individually and. Uh, knowing this is Toronto and, and wanting to have success and all working together, uh, not worrying about you know who gets what, who who doesn't, uh, that's fun when you're working with people like that. Uh, but uh, the real fun comes with success, you know, and that's why I prefaced it earlier. And and I really appreciate the excitement. I think it's great. I think it's great for the fans. Uh, uh, but you know, you know, we have to get something done. Uh, we're focused in on that, uh, and, and we can't allow anything to distract us, uh, you know, along the way. Uh, and but uh, th this market is just outstanding, and uh, and it's just and the fans deserve it. I mean, the passion that they have—it's it's remarkable. You must get recognized everywhere you go in Toronto. How, how, what's a sample of that interaction you have with the fans? Well, I, I think the uh, they're respectful and, and polite and. Uh, I think really uh, uh, appreciate uh, where the team is at, uh, and I think that the way the players have acted, uh, the way the players have handled themselves, uh, both on and off the ice, I think that's what you want. You you want a team. If I'm a fan, that you can be proud of. Uh, you know, whenever you see them on TV, or whenever you see them at a function, or and how they handle themselves, win or lose on the ice, and. Uh, the respect they have for each other and the humbleness that uh, I think that w has been created uh, amongst each and every one of them. Uh, so that's that's what teams are all about. Final question, and you can address this directly to the Toronto Maple Leaf fans. What should their expectation of the Toronto Maple Leafs be for performance this season? Well, the expectation should be exactly what they saw last uh, year, a team uh, coached by Mike Babcock and his staff that will come prepared each and every night uh, to compete and, and give the performance that they're proud of. Thanks for taking the time doing this, Lou, and uh, good luck this season. Thanks, Bob. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, that's it for the At TSN Hockey Every Other Friday Bobcast. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like to submit a question on hockey or just about anything else, email it to bobcast at bellmedia.ca. That's B-O-B-C-A-S-T at bellmedia.ca, and we'll try to get it on the next Bobcast. Be sure to follow me on Twitter. That's At TSN Bob McKenzie. And for great hockey coverage all year round, follow the At TSN Hockey Twitter account and make tsn.ca your source for all things hockey, especially for the Tuesday and Thursday editions of Insider Trading with myself, Darren Dreger, and Pierre Lebrun. Thanks for tuning into the Bobcast. See you next time, and have a great weekend.